I know that 2021 will be the year that everyone on earth realizes they need a piece of Bitcoin. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. Uh, we have got a really fun but uh, a pretty short read today from Bitcoin Magazine. I was actually uh, thinking of saving this, but I wasn't able to finish one of the monsters that I'm trying to get through right now. So I'm moving this up in the schedule a little bit. It's all about lightning and gaming. From the head of Zebedee, which is doing some really awesome stuff that I've bumped into recently and then saw this article and I was immediately jumping on it. Uh, and I wanted to dig into this and why I think it's just such an awesome idea. Uh, much love real quick to my favorite Bitcoin hardware wallet, the Bitbox O2. Secure, open source, and simple. And then of course, a thank you to Level.co, a no-fee Bitcoin and crypto exchange it just so happens to come with a suite of mobile banking services. ACH, wire transfer, direct deposit, debit card, the works. A thank you to them. They are sponsors and they are the ones who are bringing you Bitcoin Audible. But without further delay, let's dig into today's article because this guy is itching to get his take on it. It is by Simon Cowell, CEO of Zebedee, and it is titled... Bitcoin's Killer Application – Skin in the Game Bitcoin has soared in 2020, and everyone is talking about the price. But I want to talk about how Bitcoin is actually being used and the new capabilities it enables. Sure, Bitcoin is the hardest form of money that exists and the best store of value. But it is also the most practical form of digital value that we have as it is global, interoperable, and programmable. But what other use cases does Bitcoin enable? And what are the revolutionary new capabilities that people didn't even know they needed Bitcoin for? The team at Zebedee had a very simple idea. The purest form of global digital economies are video games, but they lack a purely global and digital form of transactional value. So why not take an existing popular game and integrate Bitcoin as the value transfer protocol? The question we wanted to answer is, does this add a new dimension to the gameplay that dramatically increases enjoyment and engagement? On December 27th, 2020, we demonstrated this concept live at Mint Gox in front of an online audience of over 5,000 viewers. We successfully infused Bitcoin into Counter-Strike Global Offensive, a multiplayer first-person shooter video game with 28 million monthly active users. And with that, the first public reveal of Zebedee's newest product, Infuse, will bring Bitcoin to the world's most popular games. The results are here to see. In this simple integration, players pay a Bitcoin invoice to stake themselves into a match prize pool and then fight it out to win the lion's share of the pot by the end of the game. This 
Skin in the game totally transforms the experience and depth of the engagement. When you see it, you get that holy shit moment. The realization that something big has just been born. CSGO is one of those games that you can mindlessly play for hours, but wait until you see what happens when you have some real skin in the game that persists outside of the game, instead of just playing for a score. CSGO tournaments are huge, but now everyone can play to earn, not just the elite gamers. This is it. Forget CBDCs and dreams of replacing existing interbank settlement layers. Bitcoin is the native settlement layer for the new virtual economy. Back to the future. Reintroducing value into games. As my co-founder at Mandelduck has previously written, historically, gaming always included a concept of skin in the game to make things more engaging. But as we evolved into the digital age, this dimension was lost, only to be replaced by meaningless in-game gold. Quote, There is a strong historical precedent to argue that value transfer has always been an integral part of what makes games fun to play, he wrote. But whereas games have evolved into the digital age, the medium of value transfer between players has not. This leaves an enormous hole in the modern gaming experience. Value transfer was therefore limited to in-app purchases, loot boxes, in-game ads, etc., which arguably had a detrimental effect on gameplay. With Bitcoin and the Lightning Network, we now have a global currency that is both peer-to-peer -peer and interoperable between games, analogous to the usage of gold or silver in early games." End quote. Leveling up the gaming industry. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. People play games because they are fun, not because they are on a blockchain. When it comes to gaming, most cutting-edge crypto innovation is putting the cart before the horse by focusing on decentralized, censorship-resistant game mechanics and in-game asset ownership. Making a successful game is hard and competitive. Blockchain games face a lot of challenges and can focus on the wrong incentives. The low-hanging fruit is to give already great games and great game developers an additional tool. The ability to programmably integrate the largest store of digital value into their games. This is a straightforward way for video games to unlock an enormous amount of potential for new types of economics, player engagement, and creativity. We have already demonstrated this through new types of activities that were not previously possible in a time before programmable Bitcoin interactions. Breaking the fourth wall. Audience members can participate in esports events, directly interacting with the game using sats to pay for power-ups or bounty increases. The blurring of the line between players and audience is something I really hope will be a revolutionary moment in gaming. New Revenue Models At the last Mint Gox tournament, we recorded more than 10,000 lightning transactions. With that amount of value activity flowing through games, come new ways for game developers to harvest the real economic activity they are creating. Better Ad Integrations In-game advertisements can more directly reach players. For example, players interact directly with a brand by picking up corporate-branded Bitcoin power-ups throughout a map. 
microtransactions. Not only top placers can win prizes, as Bitcoin payouts make micro-prizes possible, creating yet another avenue for micro-earning. How will this play out in 2021? I know that 2021 will be the year that everyone on Earth realizes they need a piece of Bitcoin. But not everyone is a trader or investor, or even has the spare cash to stack sats. Gaming is a way that emerging generations will onboard into Bitcoin and stack sats through their own skills. My team at Zebedee will be doing its part to support this, firstly by not only hosting more CSGO Bitcoin servers, but also striving to infuse Bitcoin into any open game that we can get our hands on. I also expect to see game devs realize that they can make their own games more engaging and profitable by integrating Bitcoin into their game mechanics. We are here to support that with the tools to make that happen and a rapidly growing audience of gamers eager to start poning. This is a guest post by Simon Cowell. Opinions expressed are entirely their own and do not necessarily reflect those of BTC Inc. or Bitcoin Magazine. All right, let's take a quick break. And uh, I want to talk about this because this is such a fascinating concept. And uh, it, it's something that I've seen uh, come up more and more or that I think will become more and more relevant as time goes on. And I really just kind of want to brainstorm for a little bit in this episode on a lot of the ideas that I think this type of uh, micropayment system and integrating this into certain games, into environments, into social communities and this sort of thing what kind of problems it can actually solve. Um, so uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll get right back into it. So I've recently had a few people I know personally who invested in Bitcoin just before this major run-up and they've really been riding a rocket down the rabbit hole. Uh, so I was just having a convo with somebody uh, who was just like, I need to run a node, I gotta get on lightning, do I need a Raspberry Pi computer, what hardware wallet, do, all this crazy stuff, and I'm like, slow down. The first and most important thing you need to do is secure your savings by holding your keys. You need a secure, easy-to-use hardware wallet. That is the Bitbox O2. It is actually co-founded by a Bitcoin developer, and the team is made up of serious engineers. It is Swiss-made, it's a sleek, simple design. The backup is as simple as plug in your SD card, hit the backup button, take it out. Uh, the wallet software is super minimal and it just works. If you have started investing, get a BitBox before it turns into a ton of money and keep your Bitcoin safe. Check it out at guyswan.com bitbox. So he actually links to a video in this um, of them playing Counter-Strike um, or CSGO or whatever and uh, uh, just showing like the balances go up and down and kind of the different elements that they can add into it that like killing somebody with a particular gun will get you more sats. If it's a more difficult gun, you know, if a pistol versus, you know, some giant machine gun or something or a shotgun and that essentially everybody has to stake uh, some amount of sats to get in the game and then you get back um, whatever uh, whatever you win in the actual gameplay and that it you know it really adds a degree of focus and engagement to the game uh, and, and what's funny is that there's actually a lot of other like 
a lot of other potential uses for this. So the most interesting thing about it is just that there is a potential value transfer protocol. There's a there's a universal layer of uh, basically having a form of money within a game or within a game market, which so many games are taking advantage of building markets now. And that's specifically because they develop outside of the game if they don't essentially take control of them or they, if they don't make that market themselves. Um, uh, in fact, Magic the Gathering Online Exchange, I think the Mt. Gox was actually that. It was a place to buy and sell um, like uh, weapons and stuff in games. Well, actually, specifically for Magic the Gathering, so it was cards, so you can buy and sell cards. But it didn't. Uh, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, and this was this was prior to uh, Bitcoin days. Um, uh, then it was repurposed for the actual exchange. But that that was how it started, right? Um, and uh, I have a friend who, uh, like particularly during college, was just huge into one of the Final Fantasy online ones. I think it was like eleven or twelve or something. I, I can't remember exactly. But he played the crap out of that game and ended up making something like $15,000 off of it. And he would just sell his items on eBay. And you got things like, you know, the Diablo games, all the you know, World of Warcraft, all of these games that uh, like massive multiplayer uh, online games uh, hu have huge, robust markets for this thing. And then you've got something like Second Life that had Linden Dollar City up. Uh, uh, talks about in this and when you can actually potentially bring these markets together when they can actually talk a common language um uh and that they're it's native you know you have a native value transfer protocol for the internet things start to get really interesting really quickly because markets essentially are no longer segmented uh the the way they would be before and it also means that the marketplaces themselves, the tools and the integrations of these things can be universal, that they can basically build on open source code. I mean, just like this tool from Zebedee is just fascinating. It's just simple. Uh, I mean, I love the whole philosophy and the mindset around this. You know, it's just we, you know, fought forever to try to build blockchain, quote unquote, based gaming um, and invent some new game that had... Uh, Bitcoin or Lightning micropayments in it. And turns out that's really freaking hard. That's just incredibly hard to do. Why are we trying to reinvent gaming? What we want to do is reinvent the way you interact with the game. We want to add a value layer to it. We don't need to redesign games. We don't need to build new games. There's no reason to compete on two fronts at the same time build something that you can integrate with games that already exist and what it, and think about all the different ways that you can actually utilize this one of the things that's interesting to me is that like there's these games that people really get into and play for years and years and then you know you wait for uh it, you, you know you pay a price up front right you uh you, you pay for world of warcraft and then uh and then the developers get paid but then you play it for years and years and uh, two years later, they release, you know, some major update and you buy it again and uh, play again and keep playing. But even if the game is popular for 10 years, you know, five, six years, the developers only get money. The developers only get paid if they, you know, come out with some new expansion pack or something. 
So they're actually disincentivized to keep working on a game that's already playing, that's already being played, and has basically, um, uh, you know, lived through its honeymoon stage already. Now imagine, though, that you're playing a game and uh, you're paying, uh, like, let's go back just to the streaming sats model. I've, I would find it unlikely that it would work exactly this way, but let's just use this as an example. That you pay to log into the server every time. So, uh, and it's, it's freemium. You never have to actually buy the game at the beginning. Uh, you just, if it's played, then they get the money. So like the podcasting 2.0 thing that we talked about with uh, Adam Curry is that if somebody is streaming sats or paying for my podcast episode, let's say I've got a version of it with uh, no ads, um, uh, is that they pay, for, they pay for that version, they pay a dollar or something like that, and immediately 5% goes to the guy who did my artwork, 10% goes to the company or the server or whatever it is that's hosting it, um, uh, 10% goes to the podcast app that they actually listened to it through, and the remaining 75% goes to me. It's that easy. You, like you can build it into. I mean, the way Adam Curry did it is he literally built it into the RSS feed. You just it's just a new tag in the actual RSS feed with pub keys of uh, with like a the key send uh, address to everybody who um, uh, who would receive the payments um, or each of the individual people, and then uh, the percentage amount. And then any payment that goes through is broken up by that amount and sent to each one of those keys. And it's done automatically, completely in the background. Now that's a way to actually, to take free software and monetize it. Uh, the example he was giving is that the podcast player app, um, uh, like, uh, like this, this like really screws with the Spotify model. Rather than having a pro version, if people are listening through your podcasting app, well, then your podcasting app gets some tiny percentage of every single listen that, um, that your users do through your app. So you're incentivized to keep it up. You keep updating, keep fixing bugs, keep people using it. Because if they get, keep using it, you get 10 sats, 3 sats, 5 sats, 3 sats. Like over and over and over and again, all day long. And that stacks up quick when you're talking about a thousand, ten thousand users uh, that are each paying a very small amount of money from an individual perspective, but is able to fund large projects and uh, for extended periods of time in a way that just isn't possible without that value transfer protocol. Um, so, uh, and, and it also kind of fixes something about the freemium model in my mind is that. Like to be able to do that and uh, potentially, you know, live off of uh, or excuse me, fund some project off of, you know, potentially tournaments or something like go back to esports tournaments is if your pop, if your game uh, has a really popular esports um, economy, basically, is that you essentially get a cut of every tournament that's hosted. And going back to the World of Warcraft example um, or the mass, the MMO uh, example is that you can essentially have like like it opens up the opportunity for infinite games. So just like it incentivizes someone to build an app and continue developing on it and continue working on it and continuing to fix bugs because people who use it 
um, are there's basically a continuous stream of pay as long as you stay attached to the project or you have someone attached to it. Well, you can do that same thing for games. If, if you have like an MMO that is, uh, you know, essentially a micropayment to play or, or to engage or to make some sort of an interaction or sell or buy or something within the game space, then the more that people use it, uh, the more popular the game is, uh, the more, the stronger that stream of payments back to the original game developers and creators is. And that incentivizes them to actually stay there working on it because rather than having the uh, the push be to, oh, let's create a new game to replace it and get that honeymoon phase of everybody buying the game up front and then playing it as long until it's as long as they can until it's boring, um, is that they're actually incentivized to stick around and keep working on that game because now now the the huge audience that they've got set up, is uh is a sunk cost like and it's constantly paying them so it's actually likely that you could end up in a situation where they just keep progressing and expanding on a single game there, there's a there's simply an avenue to make something like that possible and then there's another really interesting thing and this is actually something that sphinx does that i really really love so there's a there's a unique element about sphinx sphinx is a chat app by the way i hadn't even introduced it i've talked about it many times on the show but if you're new to it sphinx s-p-h-i-n-x is a uh lightning chat app so it works over the lightning network and uh like i have like a tribe um that is you know the bitcoin audible the audio knots and we just get to hang out and have fun, talk Bitcoin, uh, and you can uh, you can like actually grab little segments out of the podcast, like it's got a podcast player built into it now, um, and you can grab little segments out of it and you know post with comments. So it's just a really fun, like cool little uh, community environment. You know, it's a group chat, and um, but then also it's fully encrypted and it's got micropayments built in, so people can actually pay to listen to the show, like, you know, a sat a minute or a hundred sats a minute or whatever it is. And I'm hoping to put a custom feed in that one very soon so that anybody who does choose to pay can actually get this show ad-free. But I'm still working out all the details, so, you know, fingers crossed. But here's something really cool that they have done that I just think is such a fascinating concept and has such a huge potential and this is very this is directly related to the concept to that skin in the game idea and what you can do with it is that you stake when you make comments in the group because this is a public group right um so anybody can just go up see my tribe scan it uh after they get the sphinx chat app or whatever connected to their node uh, and then they just jump in and they can start talking and having fun and meeting everybody. If that's open to the public, you're going to get spammers. You're going to get trolls. That's one of the biggest, that is the issue with the free internet. Like I have my DMs open on Twitter and I love answering people's questions, but I get so much spam. I get so much crap through that. And if I could just charge, a thousand sats or something like that to get a comment, it would filter out almost all of that. I have no doubt. And it wouldn't be any sort of a burden to the people who actually wanted to ask questions. And I wouldn't have to filter it myself. 
And if a spammer still wanted to pay me a thousand sats to, you know, have to look through my messages, okay, well, I got a thousand sats for it, so it didn't totally waste my time. And with Sphinx is that you stake 50 sats for, uh, for when you are commenting. So if I think, like as the tribe leader, whatever it is, if I think you're a troll or a spammer, or you're just trying to, you know, sell your, your crap to people in the thing, you're trying to, you know, send two Bitcoin to this and I'll send you back four. Well, I get the sats that you stake when I kick you out. It makes it so that spammers don't get a free ride. Now, there is nothing quite so infuriating as getting a troll in a video game. Somebody who is just there to be an asshat. Or like I used to play League of Legends religiously uh, for a handful of years. And when you got someone who was just being a total idiot, being mean to everybody, or just straight, you know, like every once in a while you start a game and somebody just straight up just books it, just runs all the way through like they're going to the other guy's base and just gets killed over and over and over again. There would actually be a cost to doing that. And you could do it without there being an actual cost to play the game. So, like, let's say you had to stake a thousand sats on a game so that you didn't ruin the experience for everybody else. If everything goes fine, you get your sats back. If everybody reports you and then there's a judgment, you know, they, they send it to the, the judges or whatever it is, and they read transcripts and, you know, play back what's going on in the game. And if they decide that, well, shit, you clearly were just running across this field. You were getting killed on purpose. You were just trying to ruin it for this team. Well, then you don't get your sats back. Just that little bit of skin in the game can make such a huge difference. I mean, that was the original idea of proof of work, right? Is to solve spamming for uh, uh, email. Was, that was, that was Hashcash. That was why it was invented. That was why Adam Back built it, is how do we solve spamming on email? Well, you get them to just put the tiniest skin in the game. They got to, um, uh, they have to do some amount of computation that at scale is incredibly difficult, but to send one or two emails to people is so small that you still just don't even notice it, that it's not that important. And I just think that could really add uh, a layer of depth to online gaming that, uh, just like this, just like Simon says from uh, Zebedee, is that um, it, it could really increase engagement. It could make esports way more fun, and it decentralizes the tournaments. It it decentralizes the ability to just host your own tournament and um, have everybody, you know, anybody make a little bit of money. Um, by entering into smaller tournaments rather than only being able to earn anything or participate at that level or in that way uh, if you're at the, the absolute top leaderboards of the whole game to be able to do that on a small scale and essentially without having to ask permission is a huge deal like that could really be interesting to see kind of a grassroots movement and that's where you get really an explosion of ideas that's where you get that little neat little quirk that nobody else quite saw coming or thought that, oh, that probably really wouldn't change the experience that much. But then after actually doing it, after actually getting into it, suddenly it's a, it's a really big deal. Um, and, it, you know, it just opens it up to so much more competition and ideation, just like the internet and like, you know, being able to 
spin up a website did prior to um uh in, on the internet like the fact that anybody could just spin up a website and create some idea or code something uh and then they have access to this global network well before you know you had to ask AT&T like if you didn't work at the centralized uh network owner uh, you can't you can't install something. Like I couldn't install something on my AT&T analog phone. It wasn't until we had that open permissionless network that you could actually pull that off. And that's what this is doing for money. And I just think that has so much potential. And this is just one of those things with Lightning is just perfect for exactly this sort of functionality. Um, and it will be really cool to watch this closely and uh, and see what else they built, see what other ideas they come up with. Bitcoin Magazine has really been killing it lately, um, and they have way too many good articles uh, for me to cover. So uh, you should probably go check them out uh, because I'm not going to get to all of them. Uh, I'm going to try to squeeze as many in as I can, uh, particularly on these shorter episodes. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to check out Bitcoin Magazine. A thank you to Simon Cowell uh, for uh, writing this piece. And of course, thank you to our awesome sponsors. Bitbox, or well, Shift Crypto, uh, makers of the Bitbox O2 Bitcoin hardware wallet, and Level LVL.co, your no fee Bitcoin and crypto exchange uh, with banking services. They are making this show possible. So thank you very much. With that, I will just end it with Simon's uh, my favorite line from this one because I think it's so true. And I think this is going to introduce a dynamic into all of these games that uh, just is really hard to replace, is that everyone, 2021, will be the year that everyone on Earth realizes they need a piece of Bitcoin. And that is, that's going to have effects everywhere. And when people find out there's another way people find out they can play some games and get into Bitcoin, that they can sell some, uh, you know, virtual weapons or something and get into Bitcoin. They can get sats back on gift cards or by using some specific bank account and, uh, and credit card, by using an affiliate link, whatever it is, people are going to find all the different ways and that's when stuff like this will really shine. So buckle your seatbelts because it's going to get wild. With that, thank you so much for listening. I am Guy Swan, and I will catch you next time. Take it easy, everybody. This has been a 111 production, and you were listening to Bitcoin Audible on the Crypto Economy Network.